Hello and welcome to another APW Property Podcast. APW advises expats on buying property in the UK, and it's been doing so for over 30 years. And one of its young stalwarts is Callum Williamson, who joins me now. Hi, Callum. Hi, Paul. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? And uh, can you explain why we're here doing these podcasts? Sure, yeah, I'm very well. Thank you for asking. Why are we doing these podcasts? Uh, I guess we originally started them to sort of just try and share the love on uh, what we do uh, and also, you know, offer advice and try and educate people into sort of how they can purchase property from overseas. I mean, the original aim was to show that it's not actually as difficult as um, a lot of people think it is. And as we've sort of built our YouTube channel and our podcast, you know, we, we've sort of branched out into getting experts on other experts in their fields, such as uh, Stephen, who's on today. And uh, yeah, that's what it's all about is, is educating people and, and trying to sort of uh, show people that it's um, it's easy enough to do even whilst you're in Singapore or Dubai or wherever it may be. Yes, as you say, today we're joined by expert Stephen Clark uh, from top legal 100 firm, Russell Cook. Hi, Stephen. Hello. A couple of weeks ago, we took a look at conveyancing. It was a broad intro to those entirely new to the process, but also which we hope contained little nuggets of wisdom, even for the more experienced listeners. So uh, we're back again today to look at conveyancing searches. But before we do that, just remind the listeners who you are and, and, and a little bit about your firm. I've been a solicitor for over 40 years. I deal with property, both residential and commercial. I'm a partner at Russell Cook, as you mentioned, which is a top 100 legal firm. And we have about 200 highly regarded specialist lawyers. And we work in a mix of commercial, not-for-profit and private clients. And that includes residential conveyancing. Okay. Well, conveyancing, to remind listeners, is the process by which a property title is transferred from one person to another or one entity to another. And in the middle of the process, a conveyancer or conveyancing solicitor will ask for searches on the property which is being transacted. Uh, have I got that right, Stephen? You've got it absolutely right. There are a series of essential searches which any competent conveyancer will want to do or have to do to make sure that the buyer is getting what they want, which is a clean, clear property. Okay, well, uh, let's have a look at those searches in more detail. What, what are the main conveyancing searches? Let's do the main one first, which is the local authority search. That is a search of the local council, and it gives you key information on items such as highways, access, financial charges that might have been imposed if any council had done any work to the property, planning in particular. It gives you a record of the planning history of the property, and those and related issues are absolutely fundamental to ensure that what you are buying is clean and clear. Can I ask a question there? Is it common to you know come across properties that do have issues, um, you know, where things will be thrown up, you know, that you might need to dig a little, little bit deeper on, or is it gem, you know, generally will properties the local authority searches not throw up too much? Normally, they don't throw up much. They do tow the planning history. That's fundamental. And you can also check the planning history on the local authority website, though they tend not to have the older planning consents, which may be relevant. So local search is absolutely key for that. Occasionally, you will 
come across issues like financial charges, something like compulsory purchase, for example, which are, if you do come across them, are really fundamental. So that's why you have to check. But normally, the issue of the local search, in reality, is how long it takes, because um, local authorities vary dramatically between a couple of weeks and some months. You can expedite that, though. You can pay for well, you can you can pay for a speedier service, can't you? Uh, you can instruct an agent to carry out a personal search for you, and that if there's particular urgency, that could be worthwhile. The insurance arrangements are different, as it were, as, as to what cover you get if he makes a mistake. So it's best to get a proper local authority search, and the vast majority will come through in two or three weeks. If you are get, getting mortgage funding as a buyer. That's simply not an issue because it'll take you longer than that to get your mortgage. So that's the key search, which is the local search. Other searches, your conveyance will carry out a water and drainage search to make sure the property has mains, water and drainage. That is fundamental. They will uh, may well carry out a highway search to make sure the property does adjoin the public highway. That's also key stuff. A particularly important search is a desktop environmental search and this is really useful this will tell you about the risks of flooding it will tell you about infrastructure if you're in a large city it will tell you about um, rail lines and underground and stuff like that are you is, is the property you're buying right over a underground railway line which will cause noise and vibration for example it will tell you about planning in much more detail. It will also give you a record of, or can give you a record of not only the planning history for the property, but of adjoining properties. And that's really useful. Is the, the building next door about to have a major basement excavation, which will result in building work for the next six months? So those sort of issues. So that is the environmental search. And finally, there is a, um, a very quirky little search called a chancel search, and I won't trouble you with the obscure details of the possible liability, which goes back to medieval law, but the short answer is that your conveyancer will probably just take out a £15 policy to cover an extremely obscure risk of a financial charge, which will get rid of that. So also you can, if you wish, do searches on utilities. That's more relevant to new development sites. Yeah, the chancel search was one of those quirky um, old-fashioned things which is uh, gives the vicar the right to suddenly come round and take money off you to fix the church roof or something, wasn't it? Exactly, yes. It's the, it's the church chancel. And there, are, there have been one or two instances of it, and everybody now just ensures about it. It is being phased out for the land registry, but isn't quite dead yet, but it's very minor. Okay, and there's also the title search, which obviously comes it, it, to a certain extent... It, comes before all of those things, does it? That you actually work out what the property is and the boundaries of it. Uh, tell us a little bit about the title search. It's what I've discussed so far are the searches that you apply for of the local authority and the various utility companies and so on. It's quite separately from that. It is absolutely fundamental that your conveyancer will check the title to the property you're buying. And that comes from the land registry. It may be very simple. It may be complex. It depends on the nature of the property you're buying. You may be buying, say, a terraced house in a street in London. Uh, the title to that may be subject to restrictive covenants, and you, your conveyancer will want to check that none of those are inconsistent with how you want to use the property. 
Um, you might be buying uh, an apartment in the middle of the West End of London where you're buying it as a leasehold property. The lease will need to be checked to make sure the covenants are, again, consistent with what you want to do. Do you need the consent of the landlord to transfer the flat or to let it or to carry out alterations? All those things need checking. Is your landlord the freeholder? There may be a further landlord above that. There could be a chain of landlords. And so that is absolutely fundamental to your conveyance's duty to check the title of what you're buying and to report you on it. Yes, and then that's a, there's the kind of contemporary issue of ground rent on freeholds uh, that uh, has caused problems uh, in some areas. What's been going on there? Historically, when you buy a flat on a long lease, you will pay what is called a ground rent, which is a small annual charge. It's not a market rent or anything like that. It's a nominal charge. Historically, from the 19th century, they can be you know, two or three pounds a year. Nowadays, there could be 250 pounds or more, say, a year. And what has happened is that um, some developers took advantage of this by seeking to increase the value of their versionary interest as landlords, their developers' interest, by charging higher ground rents and also providing for them to increase and increase substantially, sometimes doubling. So, for example, a particularly onerous and totally unacceptable ground rent would be, say, £300 a year, doubling every 10 years. That figure increases dramatically, very quickly. Also, some developers started trying to charge ground rents when selling houses. So instead of selling them freehold, where you don't reserve a ground rent, they tried selling them leasehold with ground rents. This isn't, wasn't acceptable, and um, the practice is now banned for all forthcoming deals. So in future, a new house, a, a new flat being sold is not allowed to have any ground rent. You must pay whatever the purchase price is, and thereafter, you won't be paying annual sums to the landlord other than your contribution towards maintaining the block of flats in which your flat is situated, which is known as a service charge, which is a totally different issue. Yes, it's, it's, uh, it's been scrapped now, hasn't it? But I know some properties that were on the, on the borderline, you've still had developers and, and landlords trying to push through that ground rent, talking about sort of exuberant ground rents and where it all started i once went to the guinness factory in ireland and um in the floor of the factory as you walk in they've got the original lease under some plated glass and i think if i remember correctly it was for a thousand years and it was for one pound a year for a thousand years so they still pay a pound a year to rent the uh the factory space in dublin for the guinness factory interesting fact is that where the phrase peppercorn rent comes from as well? Was it sometimes literally a peppercorn? No, yeah, that's exactly right. It was literally, <laughs> wow. The answer is it's no money at all. So it's just something of absolutely no value, of, of no real value, which is of which a peppercorn was an example, complete formality. But normally, nowadays, you'd simply say no ground rent. A couple of other searches to touch on. There's a, a flood search, which you, is separate from the environmental search. You can pay extra to find the flood risk, I think. Is that right? 
yes, you can, depending on where you are and what you're buying, you can do a separate, more detailed search on flooding. Flooding is a real issue in terms of buildings insurance. So you do need to be aware of that. Yes, and commercial property with investors now are looking more closely at flood risk uh, because of climate change and, and the increasing potential, uh, particularly for a long investment, an asset becoming literally stranded. Yeah, and, and one thing that we haven't touched on in this process is what are called inquiries. There's a whole set of inquiries that your conveyancer will be raising of the seller. And those will include questions about boundaries and dis- uh, making sure there's no disputes with neighbours and utility services and where the meters are and so on. But they will include issues like, has the property been verbal? It is one question you may ask. One question will always be asked is, have you had any flooding? And there's a mining search as well. Um, you, you mentioned, uh, obviously, the underground risks uh, of tube trains, uh, which was a big issue when Crossrail was travelling under London and uh, there was a lot of properties that were transacting that were suddenly, you know, they wanted to know how close to the massive underground tunnel of Crossrail that their property was because of the subsidence risk. But is the mining search a separate search to the environmental search or does that just come up as part of the environmental search? Forgive me, what I, I, I listed the searches that apply to all properties, but depending on the locality of where you're buying, there are a number of other more specialised searches that your conveyancer may want to carry out, certainly relevant in areas where there's any history of mining. You also uh, may want to have a search about radon, which is a gas contamination issue. Again, it's, it's, but it's in specialised localities. Uh, well, we were talking about it just before we recorded the podcast because our producer had an issue on uh, uh, some farmland with uh, radon risk and a mine shaft. How many buyers did you push down the mine shaft? We, we'll ask that some other time. Uh, but uh, that's all we have time for today. Uh, my thanks to Stephen Clark from Russell Cook for joining us today and sharing his expertise. Uh, I hope you enjoyed being here, Stephen. Thank you very much. Yes, very happy to help. Uh, and thank you to Callum, as ever. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for hosting. And thanks to Stephen for coming on. Appreciate it. Until then, it's goodbye from me, Paul Shearer. Have a lovely day. Thanks for listening to this episode of our podcast series produced for APW by Emma Holton at Brilliant Audio. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe, hit like, share it with your friends. If you didn't, keep stum. You can find more episodes in all your usual podcast places.